la hora de la función, todo gratis, señor. No se paga nada por verlo. Mis Acapulco sigue con nosotros. Pasen el mejor espectáculo de la ciudad. El mejor espectáculo. episode number 63 of monster kid radio and the boys are back in town by the boys i mean abbott and costello and we've got joe stuber back on the show with them to talk about the next abbott and costello film in the abbott and costello meet kind of sort of series way back in july of last year we had joe on the show to talk about abbott and costello meet frankenstein well that film went over so well with the studio and the audience that there were more movies on the way and abbott and costello meet the killer boris karloff is the next movie in this lineup, and that's what we're talking about this week on Monster Kid Radio. I'm your host, Derek M. Cook. I'd like to welcome you to the show, and I'd like to thank the band Dirty Surf for letting us play the song Miss Acapulco this episode. It's available on their album Luchan Cantan Sangran and can be found at dirtysurf.bandcamp.com. You'll hear the song in its entirety at the end of the show. You can always find links to them in our show notes over at Monster Kid Radio. .net, which is also where you're going to find all of our contact information. You can email us at monsterkidradio at gmail.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 503-479-5MKR. That's 503-479-5657. You can also find links to our Facebook group, our YouTube channel, our Flickr album, and everything else that we got going on here at Monster Kid Radio that'll keep you entertained between episodes. Speaking of being entertained, are you in the Portland, Oregon area? Well, this Thursday, January 16th, the Hollywood Theater is showing a Santo movie. Now, there's been some confusion about which movie they're actually showing. It looks like the title is Santo vs. the Mummies of Guanajuato. It is the first film in a three-month series called Cinescopio, in which Fusion Art is bringing in classic films from Latin America. And apparently... Luce Libre films are classic enough to warrant being shown at the Hollywood. I'm excited for this. I've never seen a Santa movie on the big screen. Now, this is going to be a subtitled version of the film. I don't know if it's film or video, but I do know it's going to be a lot of fun. Tickets are what, like eight bucks? Head over to HollywoodTheater.org, and that's theater with an R-E at the end. Org to buy your own tickets, or I will see you there because this is a Monster Kid Radio crash. The movie starts at 7. We're going to try to get there a little bit early, and I look forward to seeing you guys and gals. Oh, and I'll be hard to miss. I'll be the big guy wearing a Hawaiian shirt carrying a portable recorder. We here at Monster Kid Radio want to acknowledge another podcast, another Monster Kid-friendly podcast. The Kaiju Cast just celebrated 100 episodes, five years of podcasting about Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. You can find out more about them over at kaijucast.com. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes as well. Kyle and company put on a great show. I love listening to the show. They just did a live episode this past Sunday. That episode will end up in the feed. So there's time to subscribe now and go back and listen to all their older episodes as well. So do your homework. Learn about the show by going over to kaijucast.com. Well, when you're done listening to Monster Kid Radio, of course. Also, when you're done listening to Monster Kid Radio, you might also consider going over to Magoo's medical expenses page over at GoFundMe.com slash 5WDOY8. And I'm just going to let Marlena Midnight from the Midnight Mausoleum program tell you why. Hi, guys. I'm Marlena Midnight. And I'm sure, as some of you know, for quite a few years, I was part of the horror hosting community because of, well, my show, Midnight Mausoleum. And over the years, I got the pleasure of meeting a lot of my fellow horror hosts, which actually brings me to my point today. 
Recently I learned that my friend Magoo, who is actually more commonly known as Guru from Penny Dreadful Shilling Shockers, has been for about a year, slightly more actually, fighting a life-threatening illness. To help recoup and pay for some of the never-ending medical expenses that tend to go along with fighting a life-threatening illness, he's actually set up a GoFundMe campaign, and if you look at the bottom of the screen right now, you can see that address. So if you could go and either donate or just share the link so other people can go and they can tell other people and they can tell other people, uh, any little bit helps. Magoo and Danielle are both amazing people, and they've helped out tons of other people in one way or another, so let's all get together and show them that we all care for them as much as they care for us. Again, that was GoFundMe.com slash 5WDOY8. Or again, MonsterKidRadio.net will show you all the links you need. Let's go ahead and dive into part one of our discussion of Abbott and Costello Meet the Killer Boris Karloff with Joe Stuber from the IndieCast and Comic Book Central right after this. White Zombie, a new novelization of the classic horror movie from award-winning author Stephen D. Sullivan. Available now in print and all ebook formats. Find it on Amazon, Smashwords, Drive-Thru Fiction, and other quality outlets. Also available in a special edition, including the complete movie script. Grab White Zombie before it grabs you. Details at sdsullivan.com. got a murder at a hotel we've got a mysterious swami we end in a cave of course it's abbott and costello meet the killer boris karloff i mean those ingredients alone just say abbott and costello right (laughs) Uh, to talk about this movie we've got joe super back on the show now he was on the show a while but it's been a long time right joe it's been a little while, yeah. You've got a lot of uh, you've got a lot of episodes in there between. And you were cranking them out, man. Well, you know, I think, and I've mentioned this on the show before. Joe's actually the first guy that I recorded anything for Monster Kid Radio with. Um, we, when we had him I was on the, the show, guinea pig. Talk, you were the guinea pig. Yeah, you were you were a <laughs> test subject. Uh, you were our Igor. Um, <laughs> and back to we talked about. Yes, yes. I, say that again. I like it. <laughs> anyway, and we had so much fun talking about the Abbott and Costello movie. Uh, we decided that we're going to take on the other Abbott and Costello meet films. And Abbott and Costello meet the killer Boris Karloff was the next one in that, I guess you could call it a series. Although it wasn't the next movie that they did. There were some films between Frankenstein and this one, weren't there? Abbott and Costello meet the killer Boris Karloff. By the way, spoiler alert, the title is misleading. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Well, we had that problem with Frankenstein, didn't we? A well, that's bit? true. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like they, Not as they, much. they, they can't. They, well, Frankenstein was in it, but and and technically Boris Karloff is in this, but. Uh, yeah, he's not the killer. I'll give you that, right? <laughs> if you haven't seen it, I'm like, you know, yeah, it was released almost a year to the day after Meet Frankenstein, but. Uh, the boys shot two movies in between. They shot Mexican Hayride, also for Universal, and Africa Screams, one of their independent films that they got to do. They, they, their contracts stipulated they were allowed to to make some of these outside pictures. So that's why sometimes you see Africa Screams in these like cheap knockoff bins and things like that. You see that because it was made for United Artists. But yeah, they had actually shot a couple movies in between them. Obviously, Frankenstein was the big one. So the, you know of this series, uh, and this one's again a little misleading because it's not really meeting a monster. But I always thought it was kind of cool because it has a lot of those same elements. You have the the cuts from the Frankenstein soundtrack. You you mentioned the eerie sets, the, that big cavern at the end of the movie, and of Boris Karloff. So, I mean, it's kind of a monster movie. 
it has all the ingredients. Yeah, they're all there uh, for a, for a monster movie. Uh, some of them kind of added at the last minute. My understanding that Boris Karloff was not part of the project to begin with. No, he came in. I think it was five days before they started shooting. And again, a lot of this information is from this book called Abin Costello in Hollywood, which is a fantastic book. If you are an Abin Costello fan, you love the movies. Go get the book. There is there are so much information in there. And they mentioned that this was originally uh, a script, a vehicle uh, for Bob Hope called Easy Does It. And they were able to – Bob Hope didn't want it, and so they tweaked it a little bit. And Karloff's character in the original was, uh, was supposed to be a female character in the movie. Um, okay. It was supposed to be Madame Switzer. Uh, that was in the – and it, actually in the final shooting script they had when Karloff was brought in like five days before shooting, it was still – that character was named, so they, he just, you know, just went with it. He became, uh, was it Swami Talpur? Yeah. And so, but they wanted to have a name star, and then they were also able to capitalize on, you know, his association with Frankenstein. So he had Evan Costello meet Frankenstein. So they, they wanted something bigger for this. So yeah, they brought Karloff in almost at the last second. Now, Karloff was involved in the promotion of Meet Frankenstein, but was including him in this film kind of a, rea- a reaction to maybe any, I don't know, criticism of Meet Frankenstein not having Boris Karloff in it, even though he was involved in the promotion of the film? Yeah, because it was one of those things, I think he, I think we talked about this on the last one too, but that, yeah, he just kind of like stood by the movie posters out, you know, after the movie came right. in. But obviously that association with Frankenstein uh, that he has, you know, obviously when you're putting this movie together, again, it's not a typical monster movie, it's a murder mystery. So for people wondering, it's not, again, it's not the typical Meet the Monster movie, but just having Karloff in it kind of gives you that association. Hey, it's Karloff. Exactly, yeah. And the opening credits, I mean, even play off on that a little bit because it's it's another cartoon opening title sequence with Abbott and Costello doing something. In this case, they're painting a wall, but instead of paint, it's like a bucket of blood. So Yeah, there's a really great animated scene. And then I just love – he's saying, oh, you forgot to dot the eye and kill her, you know, Lusa. And then this knife comes out and <laughs> dots the eye. Um, and I think right off the bat, you realize that this is this is a much darker film for the boys than they that they uh, had gone through before. Uh, in fact, some of the scenes we'll get into some of the scenes later that were cut. But in some of the countries, the scenes with the corpses were cut. And I think it was in Denmark that they actually banned the movie. Like who bans an Abbott and Costello movie? But yeah. it, it's a much darker, <laughs> much darker film than they than they had been used to just with the body, just the murders, you know. There are a lot of bodies in this movie, and as yes. the movie continues, you can't get away from them. <laughs> uh, some right. of it's due to yeah, and, the then, and there's a lot some of like the yeah. similar scenes from some you know some of the other movies, like Hold That Ghost and things come yeah. in. We'll talk about. That. Yeah, originally the movie was supposed to be called Evan Costello Meet the Killers, uh, but you know, obviously when Karloff came in, they dropped the S. They made it Karloff. Interesting on this one too. They wanted uh, Universal definitely wanted to rein in again. Do some of the research on it. It's like there's so much drama. Behind the scenes of this one too, Evan Costello were like constantly fighting with the execs from Universal. But Frankenstein was so huge that you know they thought they could get more money. They wanted a better supporting cast for that other movie we mentioned, Mexican Hayride. That movie, interesting enough, Mexican Hayride was budgeted. And keep in mind, you know, we're talking late forties here. That movie was budgeted nine hundred thousand dollars. It was one of the highest budgets on a Universal film, and certainly one of the highest budgets for an Evan Costello film. Oh wow! But yeah, Mexican Hammeride came in over schedule, over budget, uh, even though it made money for them. So on this particular one, they wanted to rein things in. So on this one, they only had a budget of $685,000 for this one. So it's interesting how even with the success of Frankenstein and, and they're obviously one of the biggest comedy teams, they 
still had to tighten the purse strings on this one. Huh. Now, my understanding, and you're, you know a lot more about Abbott and Costello than I do, but my understanding was that when they did meet Frankenstein, their career was, I mean, wasn't gone, but they were kind of on a downward Great. slope at yeah. that point, and then meet Frankenstein kind of brought them back up. It did, yeah. That's why they were, they were looking for more money uh, for this one, too, because they, you know, they knew they could milk that. Was there an immediate attempt to roll them into another monster mystery kind of spooky movie at that point? Well, like you know, like we said, they had Mexican Hayride. That was the one that was scheduled, and then they did their independent film. But yeah, right to get back into this, they well, again, they bought that murder mystery script that they had. Bob Hope didn't want it, but they wanted to capitalize on that with Karloff. So that's why he was brought in at the last second. Also interesting too. There's, I mean, oh, there's so much before you even get to the movie. There's so much drama <laughs> that goes on with this thing. I was reading about. It's a, it's amazing. Again, get that book, Evan Costello in Hollywood. But when you go back on this film, there's some background here. If you go back to 1943, that was like the worst year for Lou Costello because that was the early in the year he had contracted rheumatic fever. He was bedridden for months. Later in 1943, his son Lou Jr. I don't even think he was a year old, had, had died of a drowning in the, the family pool. So because of these things, he had developed this Abin Costello Rheumatic Fever Foundation, which eventually turned into the Lou Costello Jr. Youth Center. The reason I mention that is because on this film here, Abin Costello Meet the Kill over Boris Karloff, in between scenes, uh, Lou is like on the phone trying to raise money, tens of thousands of dollars, to keep this center open. Oh, yeah, they're like shooting this movie. They wanted to get more money, not only because they felt they needed it, or deserved it from Frankenstein, which was such a huge hit, but because they were trying to keep the center going as well. So he and Bud are like trying to raise money while they're shooting this film. He said he got more support from Patterson, New Jersey, his hometown people, than he got from anybody in Hollywood. The interesting thing is Universal, they were wondering how, if this center closed down, how that would impact lose popularity at the box office. So Universal's like, yeah, we'll kick in whatever you need to keep the center open. And then they found out that it wouldn't impact Lou's popularity at the box office at all. So they pulled out. They didn't even. Oh man. Yeah. It's crazy. So he's like, you know, he'll, you see these scenes and then cut, he goes off. He's like trying to raise money. They're trying to get this charity boxing match going. The good news is they, they did save the center. They got the charity boxing match. They raised the money. They kept the, they paid the mortgage. They were able to keep this thing going. Unfortunately, and you'll, and you could probably tell in some of the, we'll talk about this, but the stress really began to take its toll on Lou. Cause we talked about their, you know, sort of getting at the end of the career you'd mentioned. He had to take frequent breaks while filming this, the cavern scene that we'll talk about at the end. But just the, the pressure of, you know, his health concerns and trying to keep the center open and all these different things. It began to, he had a nervous breakdown while he was filming. He told the director, Charles Barton, who also directed Frankenstein. This was his seventh and final Avon Costello film. He said, Point blank, you're directing a dead man while they were filming this movie. And then wow. he, after they filmed it, he had a, a relapse of rheumatic fever. said he lost 50 pounds in five days. It was crazy. So this movie plus everything else really took a toll on Lou, which is kind of bittersweet because I love this movie. But just knowing all the background drama that was going on while he was making it. The good thing is the center, if you go to LA, it's still open today. It's still got oh, Luke Stella Jr.'s name on it. Um, so that's kind of amazing. But that just – made this movie so much more special to me to realize what they were going through while they were making it. So it's, it's interesting to get, you know, to get the back background on these guys and what they, what they were going through. They're top box office draw and they're still trying to scratch together, you know, money to, to keep things open. I remember as I was watching it and full disclosure, this was a first time viewing for me while watching it. I felt like while there hadn't been a lot of time between this one and meet Frankenstein, 
especially with him, he seems to have aged a little bit. With Lou? Yeah, and he yeah. seems to have slowed down a little bit. And then they throw him into the cavern stuff at the end, and, man, he's running around, and he's much more physical again. And I'm just thinking, man, that had to be exhausting for that guy because the, the rest of the movie I'm feeling like he's kind of holding back a little bit. Not like he's not in it, you know, into the performance, but he physically isn't as present. No, it's not the manic and the slapstick from some right. of their early movies, and de- probably not even as much as Frankenstein. That was a pretty big one, uh, too. But yeah, again, you get some of that background, and you realize just what he was going through. I mean, they were struggling just to to get this thing made, and and to keep. And obviously, as soon as they were done, Lou, you know, had had a relapse of that rheumatic fever, so it really took a toll. And there's another scene we'll talk about when we get into it later: the uh, the steam bath scene. Mm. And yeah, once once we get to that point, I'll mention that. But that's another aspect that almost took a huge toll on loot. <laughs> yeah. So, so again, it's Avon Costello meet the killer Boris Karloff. They do meet Boris Karloff. We'll just <laughs> we'll say that. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, um, he's in the movie. He's one of the characters. Yeah, but it, it's very so. If you if you don't want to know who the killer is, push pause. Go watch the movie. <laughs> and then come back. But we're, we're going to discuss it. We'll, we'll break it down. But uh, it, it's really cool. You mentioned it's it's a dark and stormy night, you know, and it opens in Crandall's Lost Cavern Hotel. Which it, is it just, really sets yeah. up a perfect murder mystery. It's I love the name of the hotel. I, I'd go to yes. the Lost Caverns Hotel. That's awesome. It's perfect. You know, once it presents itself, it, it's a, like this huge European kind of play. You know, the sign mentions all the different amenities they mm-hmm. have and everything. So it's just kind of cool. But yeah, full blown murder mystery right off the bat. And in it, Lou Costello and uh, Bud Abbott work at the same place, but you don't get the impression that they're really good friends or, or have a lot of history with each other. Well, they're or, cousins, so yeah. they're either like you know how family fights. So exactly, yeah. that's the thing. There, <laughs> there seems to be more of a distance between them at the beginning, anyway. Like right off the bat, it does soften as the movie continues as they go on this adventure. But I have to say, are we going to call them Casey and Freddie? <laughs> what do we call him, Bun Lu? To me, it's easier just call him Bun Lu because okay. it's like even when you watch I, whatever you want, you're driving. But it's just, when I watch an Evan Costello film, I don't even care what their characters' names. Are. That's true. That's true. Unless yeah. It's Jack. Or yeah. In this case, it's Casey. <laughs> so Lou is Freddie Phillips, and Bud is Casey Edwards. Casey or Bud uh, Abbott is the house detective at this hotel because apparently the hotel needs a detective on staff and <laughs> which makes me wonder about the kind of people you hire at the hotel that you need to have a detective on hand just in case what's well, um, called crandall's lost cavern hotel I mean, it's already right. kind of ominous as we start there so yeah you might want to have somebody around just in case things get a little squirrely <laughs> so he's the house dick they call him a couple of times uh, and then freddie phillips uh, costello is bellhop the yeah. bellboy for a few minutes for a little while, yeah. <laughs> Not a very good one. But would no. you expect anything else? No, and you do get a little bit of that kind of slapsticky, but it's it's nowhere near as elaborate as, say, the sequence at the beginning of Meet Frankenstein with all the, the crates and the boxes oh. and everything else. I mean, it's nothing nearly like that. No, no, no. I mean, it's just enough to set up the murder mystery. So, and it, you know, it's not typical for the boys, but yeah, pretty good. I mean, it, it sets. It, and I do like the fact that they do give Abbott some actual detecting to do yeah. in this, you know, he does do some background search on one of the suspects. He goes to the the inspector. He starts talking. So it's not like they introduce these characters and they just forget who they are. You know, they they do keep it consistent throughout. Although they do become more Bud and Lou than than Casey and Freddie as the as the movie goes on. But yeah, I mean, they do they do stick to the template that they've set up. There is some def- definite detective work sort of happening. It's like CSI light. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it is Abbott and Costello. Yes, is I klutz. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, there's a there's a murder because it is a murder mystery. We have to have a murder that happens pretty early in the movie, and and I don't know how beat by beat, plot by plot point we want to get here because I think this is something that people need to see. But we are going to spoil some moments, and we probably will spoil who ultimately is the killer as well when we get to that point. Yeah, and again, the movie is in 1949, so you got you got two <laughs> options. You should have either seen it by now, or just go push pause, watch it, and then come back. I think the statute, <laughs> we'll be here. The statute of limitations has run out on spoilers. I think we here, said so. that in, I think we said that during Frankenstein. When you talk yeah. about Abbott Costello, probably anything you talk about on Monster Kid Radio. <laughs> I think Good the statute point. of limitations is up. You know, if you're listening to this, you probably, you know, and look, we're not going to ruin anything for you. No. The, the, the plot the you want to just see the boys going crazy and doing wacky stuff. And you're going to get that in this one. Oh, it, yeah. There is a lot that happens and really cool sets and love the music by Milton Schwartzwald. And I'm telling you, he owes it quite a bit to Frank Skinner from Evan Costello and me Frankenstein. Oh, certainly. great soundtrack. But man, those music cues that they use in all of the meet the monster movies, mm-hmm. they're all there. And uh, boy, they work. Really no, good music. I, I love the music. I mean, people know I'm a film score junkie, and I, it's one of the things I listen for in films now is just, you know, what's the music like? And I love the music in this. Uh, it would have been right at home in, like, say, Meet Frankenstein. If Dracula had walked out of one of the hotel rooms, I would not have been surprised. Yeah. I think the music puts it definitely in the Meet the Monster category of films for me. Yeah. And how often else. does that happen, too? Like, when they're, like, there's all these. It should be called Evan Costello Meet the Red Herrings because it's just the movie is entirely filled with red herrings. <laughs> and how often yeah. are those you see the other actors just kind of like looking at each other? You know, like, dun, dun, like all it's missing is dun dun dun. Yeah. And then or they like you said, like they peek out of the door as somebody walks and that's it. That's yep. you know, and it's like, does that mean they're the killer? Yeah, so if if you know if Dracula comes up an outer wolf man, that would not surprise me at no, all. No, not at all. No, but, <laughs> That's a good but there's point. really not a lot of there's really nothing supernatural happening here. I mean, like we've said a couple of times, it's a flat out murder mystery. Straight up. Straight yeah. up murder mystery, yep. Well, I don't know how straight up, but you know I mean, straight up as Evan so. Costello get yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the movie starts at the hotel. As straight as an arrow, which is shot right at Lou's head. There you go. <laughs> yes. Excellent. <laughs> I won't tell you who did it. Not no. a red herring. Yes. I mean, you're right. This film is filled with all these little moments here and there. And it's they're fun, delicious little bites, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. When Freddy or Lou – man, I'm going to be struggling with that this whole conversation as well. Yeah, when you Lou, know, call him whatever you want. But yeah, I just it just makes more sense. <laughs> I just call him Barton Lou. <laughs> when Lou discovers the first body and he brings people to go check it out. As they go down the hallway, here's somebody walking out of the room, and there's somebody else seeing something. It's like these little tiny moments that you kind of are sprinkled throughout the entire film that give it more than just a show piece for Abbott and Costello. There are little moments here and there with the different characters that do establish that or do keep this film in murder mystery territory without going straight out comedy without oh, a lot yeah. of depth to it. You know what I mean? Does that make oh, sense? Yeah. All the trappings are there too. I mean, you've got, you know, you've got the inspector coming in, you've got all the suspects in one place. Everybody's got a motive. Some people kind of rip on the script. I've read some reviews online. They're kind of like, it's real basic. And you know, it's no wonder Bob Hope didn't want to do it. Or something. I don't think it's that bad. It gets a, the plot gets a little convoluted, but everything's there setting up for it. And I think you want Abbott and Costello in the middle of a murder mystery. I think that's, I'm surprised it hadn't been done more often. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine what Bob Hope would have 
done in a movie like this. I mean, he had done a handful of these kind of sort of horror-ish murder mystery things anyway, but yeah. I'm just trying to imagine what kind of changes had to be made to the script to accommodate Evan Costello versus Bob Hope. And there's a completely different comedy style difference. Yeah. But I really enjoyed having Evan Costello in this movie. Oh, yeah. And I'm kind of thinking that maybe like the character of Bob Hope, and again, I've not read the script, I didn't see it online or anything like that, but I'm guessing like the character of Bob Hope himself is kind of a combination of Bud and Lou. So you've got this sort of straight arrow leading man, mm-hmm. and then you've got the kind of wacky zany comedy that he does. So they probably just split up a lot of that stuff in between Bud and Lou. And again, you're bringing in elements from prior Abbott and Costello movies. So you've got the moving body scene that we've seen in Hold That Ghost, and even to some extent in, in Meet Frankenstein. So you've got some of their not the burlesque routines, like, you know, like who's on first or anything like that, but some of the jokes that they've done before, you're seeing that play the moving candle, although they had a twist to it in this one where there's, there's a turtle involved. Yeah. <laughs> uh, see, but you've got kind of those elements that, that you're like, okay, it's button low. So there's enough of the boys that are brought into it. There, the scene you mentioned too, where, you, where we found we, the murder, we see the, the body for the first time. There's actually a deleted scene coming into that oh, really? which i kind of yeah i kind of wish that it had gone in cuz you know Lou Ms. Strickland Mr. Strickland is the person who's murdered he's this right. famed attorney and he's coming to investigate something and it turns out Lou's obviously a bellboy he's clumsy he drops the golf club there's a whole scene where it's just wacky zany and Strickland gets him fired so he's out of a job there's a deleted scene where uh, they're cousins. So Bud's talking to Lou and he's like convincing him to go apologize to Strickland to get his job back. Right. And that scene I wish was in there because it's, it's Lou taking or Bud taking on the role of Strickland and say, asking Lou to apologize. And of course, Bud as Strickland is not accepting the apology and just starts smacking him around and everything, you know, the whole typical Bud and Lou thing. Yeah, I say, yeah. And it just jumps to the next scene where Lou goes in and apologizes. But I would have loved to have seen that scene in there where – because you can't get enough of Bud knocking Lou around. <laughs> you can't. What, what does that say about us? It's comedy gold. I mean that's why we love Adam <laughs> and Costello. You know, it just – you know, the Three Stooges do it all the time. But it just it seems better to me when Bud – when it's Bud and Lou. I don't know. But uh, anyway, yeah, so Lou goes to check on Strickland. He's dead. There's interesting too when you watch that scene – You'll notice mentioned earlier about his son, the tragedy involving his son. There, um, the morning, oh, such a long story there, but the, the morning he had gone off to work, he'd gone to do a radio show. He found out about the horrible thing with his son. That morning, his wife had given him a bracelet with the son's name on it. So if you look oh, wow. in this movie, you can see sometimes you can't really see it, or especially in publicity shots, but he had that welded shut so that the bracelet could never be removed. And you don't always see it. Sometimes they cover it up. Uh, with different things, but in this one, you really see that bracelet on his right hand because he's checking the body, and he like picks up Strickland's arm, and Lou checks his own pulse. Yeah, <laughs> and and <laughs> you know, and he's like, "This guy's plenty sick," you know. And he's checking his own pulse, but you look at it on his on his arm, you could see the the bracelet there. So you don't all, always get to see it, but it is in that scene. I didn't notice that, but yeah, they did spend when you were talking about the story here behind that bracelet and all. When you were talking about that, I meant I remember thinking there is a shot. For the the pulse gag, I'm going to yep. go back and rewatch it now to see if I can see it because I yeah. never noticed that before. Yep, you can you can pick it up pretty clearly there. So um, that's kind of nice. To, that was a nice little touch too to to be able to see that. That you know he's like, hey, they didn't care to hide it in that particular scene. So very cool. But yeah, and, it, and so yeah, the body's there, and it's just interesting too. The hotel manager, Mr. Melton. I just love how Lou always calls him Smelton. Yeah, like, Melton. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> 
Did, did you get when you're watching that? Did you get that he just kept messing up the name and left it in, or was he like trying to say like? Did you think that was in the script? Man, you know, I don't know now that you say it. Now that because you there's so many me. things that they leave in, they just didn't want to do another take because he's like at one point he goes, Mister Mister Smelton. Melton, whatever. <laughs> it's like it was almost like it was it almost became Lou instead of his character for a second. So I just didn't know what you thought of that. Yeah, you know, now that you say it, now that you mention it, I wonder if it maybe was a mess up that was made at one point. You know, somebody flubbed a line somewhere and he just rode with it the rest of the production. Yeah, because he just keeps calling him Smelton the whole time, <laughs> which is really cool. I just I love that. And Melton was played by Alan uh, Marbury. Am I saying that right? You think Marbury? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know much about well outside of the three characters that are in the opening credit titles. Uh, right. uh, I, I don't really know much about the rest of the cast here. Oh, but one thing we, as you mentioned in the opening credits there, but Lenore O'Bear, I mean, we totally forgot that she was in Frankenstein. Well, that's true. She played Sandra in Frankenstein and, and uh, is in this movie too. And great. So yeah, I love seeing her again. Yeah. They brought so there's her another back. connection to Frankenstein, mm-hmm. but yeah, other than the, like the big three, yeah, it's then, not. Yeah, I don't know much about the cast here, or I mean, we know Charles Barton from Frankenstein and the other Abbott and Costello movies. So I, I well, can see how this movie is in it as well, and he played Charlie Chan in a oh, series of did movies. He? So okay. he, he plays T. Hanley Brooks in this. He played Charlie Chan. Uh, he's the guy that tries to make off with Strickland's brief briefcase <laughs> in one scene, and then he turns around and blames Lou, which is very odd because he's like walking out the door with it, and Lou <laughs> grabs him. And the inspector comes out and he's like, oh, I was just stopping him. It's like, then why are you holding it? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's so Everyone always tries to throw Lou under the bus in this movie, which is perfect because you have so many characters and they all have a motive. As uh, yeah, I don't know if you want to get into that now, but they apparently all receive telegrams to be blackmailed that apparently this famed attorney Strickland who was going to retire, he was writing his memoirs and he was going to reveal all about them. So they're all – gathered together but they all just blame lou which is brilliant because he's there's so many scenes where he's just so put upon he's like i didn't murder the guy <laughs> it just feels so sad it makes you know abbott's like smacking him and like oh you know it's like does he even believe him at this point you know well there's a point near the end of the film too he's like i didn't do it but all the evidence says that i did <laughs> <laughs> take me away yeah <laughs> It's like he starts believing it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's a very, it's a very cool picture. So yeah, how, I really like it. How many uh, suspects are there or clients? Is it a total of seven? I think there's seven. I'm trying to recall all the names now. You know, obviously of Karloff, he comes in as this like sort of fake Swami, and then Aubert's, uh character, she had poisoned her husband, I think, with champagne. So you get kind of a background on some of these. Uh, the hotel owner is involved in this. He got. A telegram, but I don't know if they specifically state what he was being blackmailed for. You kind of get this, and that's another deleted scene because there's a, I don't know if we're to that point yet, but uh, there's a scene where um, you think that Aubert's character is going to try to poison Lou. Right. <laughs> but there's a scene right before it uh, where, where all the suspects gather together and they kind of give this update on why they're all there. You know, there, there's one card playing scene where they kind of mention that they need to get rid of Lou. Trick him into writing a confession, and then we'll kill him, and then everyone will think it's him. But there's a scene too that's been deleted that really explained why they were all there, which I thought that was crazy to delete. I'm sure for time, but it's not that long of a movie. I think they could have left that scene in, and it really explains like why everybody's there. Oh yeah, I mean the movie's less than 90 minutes long. It's not like you needed to cut it too. But I, I don't know, yeah, why they would have not included that in the finished product. Right. Hmm. Uh, I mean it's interesting, but yeah, it is. And and Karloff again, he it's. I don't want to say cameo, but it's he doesn't have a ton to do. 
uh, in here. Obviously, he's going to be given a lot more to do a few years later in Abbott and Costello Meet Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So we've got that one to look forward to. But he's definitely Karloff in here. He's got some great scenes. And just, I think, the scene with him trying to get Lou to commit suicide. <laughs> Which is a horrible thing to say when you say it like that. But I love right. that. I but love the interaction between the two. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what's, what, what are your favorite elements of that? I mean, it just, it, it's a long scene. And I think sometimes people have a problem with that, that it just kind of drags on. But I think it's brilliant. I think Karloff is immensely watchable in anything. I mean, he's I obviously. I saw him in Secret Life of Walter Mitty. I didn't realize he was in that. Oh, really? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not obviously the, you know, Not the new one. New one. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know what? With, with CG, they're bringing back all these, you know, all these. <laughs> Actors from the past, so who knows? Uh, but yeah, he was actually in that. So yeah, go ahead. But he he is eminently watchable. Oh yeah, and I'll watch him in anything. I mean, I he's one of the classics for a reason. I mean, it's Boris freaking Karloff for crying out loud. So I'll watch him as a Swami or whatever. I don't care. So I loved watching him in the movie. I felt like every time he showed up in the movie, though, it felt a little like a different film. He doesn't seem to fit with the others as much. Right. Yeah, it's like Sesame Street. One of these things is not like the others. <laughs> exactly. Now, that said, when he's interacting, especially with Lou, I feel like they have a connection. They have a bond. And I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out in the Jekyll and Hyde film that we're going to do down oh, the yeah. line at some point. But I, I love the entire scene. I don't think it runs too long. I think it's a nice kind of breather in the entire film because a lot of the things that are happening in the film are – not so rapid fire that you can't keep up, but it is nice to have a break every once in a while from what's going on here because there are so many people involved and there are so many suspects and there's so much happening here with this murder mystery and you know who's doing what, where, that sort of thing. When you finally get to have some time with just Karloff and Lou, I yeah. loved it. And that's the payoff. To me, this is yeah. the payoff scene of the movie is that when you, you say Eben Costello meet the killer Bar- Boris Karloff, he's there and he's trying to off Lou. And it just it, and again, he's not coming in to kill Lou. He's trying to get – Lou to do this himself, and it, it's just amazing. You also have those music cues from Frankenstein yeah, that we have playing out here. So it just really amps up that scene so much. You've got the hang- – and just the way it's shot too, all the mm-hmm. shadows on the wall. You've got the hang- – there's a hangman's noose that he puts there, mm-hmm. and yeah. you see the shadow on the walls. It's swinging back and forth, and then, you know, I, I don't know. Do, do you want to talk about what happens or – Yeah, no, that's fine. I mean we're going to spoil parts of this. I have no problem with that. <laughs> It's just like he keeps trying to get Lou to kill himself, and it's Lou Costello, so it's not going to happen, you know. No. And just like he puts the noose around his neck, and you're like, oh no! And then the rope breaks, and yep. the you know, or the you know, the whole ceiling comes crashing down, you know. And then he like tells him, "Go get a gun." Yeah, and that voice, you know, Carlo's voice, you know, "Go get a gun," and you know, you know what to do with it, or so you know. And it, <laughs> of course, Lou goes and gets the bug spraying gun. Yep. You know, and then he's like, he's like, why why is there a bug spraying gun there? Of course there's a bug spraying gun. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) And then, and then just the exasperated look on Carlos. And then he's like, jump out of the window, Mm -hmm. you know, so he puts Lou up on the window, jumps, but he jumps back into the room. (laughs) Every once in a while, I just kind of imagine that Carlos is, or he's thinking to himself, this is what Bella Lugosi had to deal with on Meet Frankenstein, you know, just because he's so, he's so incompetent is that he can't even follow a few simple directions, you know, right. and it's, it gives him a knife and tells him what to do with it. And Lou mm-hmm. starts picking his fingernails with it. Yep. <laughs> it's And then it's, the, the line of the movie is classic. Karloff says, amazing. Even under hypnosis, the will of an idiot to cling to life. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like that, that needs whole, to be on a t-shirt. There you go. <laughs> 
just like have Boris Karloff's face and you know with Lou and just that underneath it. It's amazing. Yeah. This movie is so fun. It's great to see the boys interact with Boris Karloff without the Frankenstein makeup. He didn't need it to be creepy and charismatic and just infinitely watchable. And the scene that Joe and I were talking about, probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie, but it's not my flat out favorite. You're going to hear about what my favorite scene is in part two of our discussion here in a couple of days here at Monster Kid Radio when we finish our discussion about the movie with Joe. Before I sign off for this episode, I want to thank everybody who's given us a review in the iTunes store. As of this recording, we are up to 32 reviews. Remember, we have a 50 review challenge. We get 50 reviews in the iTunes store. We're going to do something special here on Monster Kid Radio, and I think we might be able to make it. But if you haven't left us a review on iTunes yet, please consider heading over there and leaving us an honest review, and we'd really appreciate it. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, that does not apply to the song Miss Acapulco. That appears with the permission of the band Dirty Surf. It's on their album Luchin Content Sengram and can be found over at dirtysurf.bandcamp.com. Talk to you in a couple of days. Fusión, todo gratis, señor. No se paga nada por verlo. Misa Acapulco sigue con nosotros. Pasen el mejor espectáculo de la ciudad. El mejor espectáculo.